Hey, Shades family. My name is Abby Brunson, and I'm the worship minister here. And I am so grateful for the opportunity to kick off the Christmas season and kick off this podcast series by talking about worship, our response to God. We worship together all of the time, and I'm so grateful that we get to do that as a church family. And for you, you may be thinking that worship is just what we do on Sunday mornings, that we gather together and we sing some songs. Or maybe you experience worship in your car or in your home. But maybe we haven't paused to stop and think about what worship actually is, why we do it, and what the significance of worship is during this Christmas season. So I want to start by just talking a little bit about what worship actually is. I love this definition from Pastor Louis Giglio from Passion City Church. He says, worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who He is and what He's done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way that we live. I love that definition. And it falls in line with a lot of what we say here at Shades. We say that we lift high the name of Jesus for who He is and for what He's done. But who is God? And what has he actually done? Why do we worship him? Why do we sing songs? Why are we called to live in a certain way? What is worship really all about? Well, let's start with who God is. These are just a couple of examples from the Old Testament, from when the earth was created, all the way back in Genesis, all the way up until Jesus was born. Exodus 34 tells us that God is a God who is merciful. He is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's a really good God. Isaiah 40 tells us that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, that he is never weak and he never gets tired. His understanding has no end. Basically, he knows everything. And we see all throughout the book of Psalms, this testimony of God's greatness, of his might, his strength, his provision, his protection of his people, his love, and his tender care for his children. This is who God is. And that's just from the Old Testament and it's just a few small examples. But even from those few examples, it's really easy to see why God is so worthy of, so deserving of our worship and our praise. God is a really, really good God. It's who he is. And what has God done? God created us to be with him. God created us to live life with him, an abundant life with him. But we read in the very beginning of the Bible, all the way back in Genesis, about sin Sin entered the picture in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, sin representing the separation between God and his people. God's desire as our heavenly father is that we would be with him. He did not desire for there to be separation. But the separation took place because God is a holy God, which means that he is set apart. He is a perfect God. And so nothing short of that can enter into his presence. And while it was not his desire for there to be separation, our choice to sin caused separation. But God had a plan. We read throughout the Old Testament that God created these rules and these processes and these regulations, these laws 
for atonement and sacrifices for God's people to be able to pay the price for their sin, to pay the price for their wrongdoing, to be made right in the sight of God. And so that's what God's people did. The Israelite nation, God's chosen people, they would make these sacrifices, they would follow these rituals, they would follow these rules, all done through a high priest who would go before a holy God on their behalf to make payment for their sin. And it was a really difficult time. God's people endured a lot of hardship. They wandered in the wilderness. They were taken into captivity. They were rescued. But they would consistently forget who God is and what he had done for them. And so they were in this constant cycle of atonement and sacrifice, constantly working to bridge the gap between them and a holy God. And if that was all that there was, there would be a lot of defeat. There was a lot of heartache and a lot of difficulty. But there was also a lot of hope because God did not desire for there to be separation. And so God tells us that there's hope of a savior, of someone coming to rescue God's people, to truly rescue God's people, to bring light to the darkness, to bridge this separation. In Isaiah 7, we read that a virgin will give birth to a son and she will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Talk about the opposite of separation, God with us. Isaiah 9 says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. A Savior is coming. And we see in the New Testament that a Savior has come. Jesus, Messiah, Savior, Lord, Emmanuel, God with us, a Savior has been born. We read in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word. And when you hear word, we're talking about Jesus. So in the beginning was Jesus, all the way in the very beginning in Genesis, in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, through Jesus, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is here, God with us, a savior, the Messiah, whose God's people have waited for for many, many years. Jesus has come to bring hope and life and restoration to God's people, which he accomplishes through his death on the cross, the ultimate atoning sacrifice for our sin. This is why we worship. We remember who God is. We remember what God has done. We remember who he has always been. 
We remember the incredible gift that Jesus is and the hope that we have because of Jesus. I would add to that, that while we remember who he is and what he's done, we also remind ourselves of what he is doing and what he will do. Revelation 21 says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. Remember, Emmanuel, God with us. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And this is God speaking. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. What an incredible gift. As you enter this Christmas season, remember who God is. Remember who he has always been. Remember what he has done throughout the course of history. Remember the gift that he has given us through his son, Jesus. And then come and worship him in response. I'll close with some of the lyrics from my favorite Christmas carol. O come, all ye faithful. This is taken from the worship of the angels and the shepherds on the night of Jesus's birth, as told in Luke chapter 2. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. And this is our call, church. This is what we do. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. He is Christ the Lord. God is good. He is worthy of our worship and of our praise. Give him the honor and the praise and the worship that he is so deserving of this Christmas season. And I hope that you will come and join us on December 3rd as we do that together, as we lift high the name of Jesus, as we remember who he is and what he has done as a church, as we fix our eyes on him and remember the hope that we have. We look forward to worshiping with you, church.